And I like doing it with you. Oh, that yes. didn't sound good. Oh, you're right, yeah. Okay, well, anyway, listeners, welcome to Geekiest Show Ever, episode 147. And you ask, that does not sound like Mark Greentree. Well, you know what? You'd be exactly right. Mark's uh, not here this week. I think, as any of you that follow him on Twitter might know, his uh, daughter took a tumble and broke her arm uh, about a week ago, a little over a week ago now. And uh, he's tending to her. She's doing well. But uh, he, he, he is tending to her. So to fill in in his stead, I have my fellow, uh, let's see, we're not octogenarians. What are we? We're... Oh, good God. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, quadro uh, septo. We must be septo something. We're, we're septic. That's what it is. <laughs> that is Mr. Mike McPeak. Welcome back to the show, Mike. Uh, thank you. Yeah, well, you know, we're, we're both kind of uh, at opposite ends of the septic business here. Uh, <laughs> I send it your way and you heard it. You're, you're the chief turd herder. And... I'm a, I, no, I'm the chief turd counter. Oh, okay. And some days I just feel like chief plunge a lot. But uh, uh, No, I just, I sit to go one little, two little, three little turds, four little, five little, six little turds. <laughs> oh, good God. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Uh, so yes, we we both have our end our our ends of the stinky stuff, so it works yes. out well. Yes, uh, I don't know. Mine might be a little bit more pungent than. Uh, well, I don't know. It depends. If I really wish I could train the boys in the locker room to flush, especially like during football season when it's warm, and oh. they leave it over the weekend. Oh, I was I was born and raised on a farm, but that will bring me to my knees. Yes. Yeah, you know, I've been around. I, I I wasn't raised on a farm, but I grew up in a small farming community, well aware of those smells and and, and what that is. And it doesn't bother me. Well, you around a pig pen, that starts to get a little ripe. Mm. But, but the rest of it, and chickens on a hot day can get a little ripe. But um, mm. the rest of it, you know, horses and cows and stuff. Hell, I've stepped in it so many times <laughs> or whatever. So, you know, it doesn't bother me. I've done a face plant or two in it, so, yeah. Yeah. Not fun. Uh, and, you know, around here, if the wind is from the south, that, uh, or if we smell the cattle yard, that means the wind's from the south, and if uh, we smell pigs, the wind's from the north. So that's the <laughs> pleasures of a small town. Ah, uh, yes, yes. All those wonderful things. Well, uh, sometimes people will say, you know, the smell of pigs, that's the smell of money. But uh, hmm. I, I, and I guess if my money smelled like that, I could deal with it if I had some, but... Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if I'd want my money to smell that way or not. Well, what I would like would be bacon fl- uh, smelling money. I might never spend it. <laughs> I would just sit there and smell it. You know, it's funny. I yesterday I I had to get gas in my vehicle before I went to work, and I was at the little service station up around the corner from me. And they make these amazing breakfast sandwiches, so I decided to take a couple of my friends at work these sandwiches. So I got them a fried egg with a sausage patty and bacon on it on a slightly toasted bun. And I took <laughs> it into them, and they were like, that tastes so good. I said, yes, that was a heart attack on a bun. <laughs> I'll take one of those. You, know, you don't live forever. I'd rather die with a smile on my face. Well, I told them next time I'll add a little bit of uh, uh, either uh, ham to it, or maybe I'll add some, uh, what else could I get? Oh, Scrapple. I'll get some Scrapple and put on it. You could also throw a dash of Tabasco sauce on there, just kind of spice it up a little bit. Yeah, could I'll have to grab some of that and take it to them because <laughs> they they thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, not not no better way to start a seven thirty meeting than with a nice warm sandwich like that to get you going. And, well, the better way to start a seven thirty meeting would be about ten thirty. But uh... true, very <laughs> true. So, well, enough about Mike's and I and what we have to deal with coming out of people's ends and where it ends up, but. Um, we, we actually do, uh, we do have some, some things to discuss this week. I wanted to try to get ahead of the curve. I mean, my grades were always behind the curve. My knowledge was behind the curve. Um, the only part of me that's ahead of the curve is my stomach where it curves over my belt. So, uh, I'm trying to get ahead of the curve in one other place. And that's Ooh. with, that's with gift ideas for the geek dad. Mm. Well, let's see. Uh, I know not for Father's Day, but for my birthday last year, my wife, uh, uh, she, she watches QVC a lot. And, well, I do once in a while, too. It's where I get some of my stuff from. But um, for my birthday last, uh, not this year, but the year before in February, she got me a 
I don't remember the name of it now. A uh, shoot, it's one of those ladders um, that uh, little giant ladder. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah, the one that will. Uh, it's a step ladder, but you can extend the legs out. Can so it can be a short step ladder or it can be a tall step ladder. Uh, what else? Will, what other tricks does it do? Um, it's got the little uh, thing you can put on, and you can put it at different angles. So if you're working on steps. Um, and I think you can adjust how far it extends out. So you can do if you're working on steps, you can uh, set it at different heights, so you can still sit there or stand there and work on it. That sounds pretty cool. I've got a great big step ladder that I use. I only have to use it really to get up to change the batteries in the one smoke detector we have that's about 12 feet up. And uh, I've got a it's a 10 or a 10 and a half foot step ladder. I don't know what it is. And I'll get up there near the top. And I'm not a little guy. But I'm leaning backwards off that stepladder, and my wife's sitting there going, because <laughs> I have to pull the smoke detector down to pull the batteries and stuff out of it. Well, see, my wife might be sitting there going, uh, life insurance. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, he'll, he'll bounce once, and that'll be fine. Yeah. Mine would be saying, where's the policy? Where's the policy? <laughs> <laughs> and we, we got one other ladder around here. My wife bought me that one because it's a little lighter and a little bit easier to work with. But I got another one. It's... Um, in four sections that's joined together, they're, they're jointed, so it can either be a step ladder, an A-frame step ladder, or you can uh, uh, pivot two of the uh, sections, and so it'll be like a scaffold uh, at one end. Uh, you can even uh, make it like an inverted step ladder, so it kind of goes up, and then the peaks go down for some reason if you want to. But you can also do it like if you're working on, or it, you can extend them all out, so you've got like a regular straight old ladder, which is kind of nice for getting on the roof. And each section is about mm, three feet, mm, about three feet, maybe four feet. Uh, so it's uh, when you extend it all out, it's about a twelve foot ladder, um, and, uh, and and you can bend it. And I use that sometimes for working on the steps too, because uh, each joint will bend at uh, I want to say about thirty, uh, just off the top of my head, I think thirty degree angles or something like that. Um, so it's got it's kind of a uh, variety of positions that you can put it in and it's just kind of a handy little ladder and when you fold it uh, all the sections flat like an accordion uh it's probably about mm, two feet wide about four feet tall and foot and a half wide so it'll fit in a fairly small place hmm. that sounds interesting yeah that one does and, uh so like i say it can be either like about a six foot step ladder or um you can do a scaffolding so if you're painting a wall and you need a little extra height you probably want to throw a um, something in between the rungs so you don't step in between there or step <laughs> carefully unless you want to be a soprano. But um, So uh, you can put it in different positions like that. And when you're doing different projects, it's always kind of handy to have. That sounds pretty cool. I uh, Of course, whenever I get on a ladder, my wife doesn't do it, but whenever I'd get up on a ladder, my mother used to look up at me and say, you might want to stay. That's as close as you're going to get. <laughs> Uh, yeah, some days I even wonder about that, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of, but I, I, I've gotten to the point now where I'm not so much afraid of heights. If I feel like I'm steady, I'm okay, but I know a lot of people are afraid of heights, but when I get up on a ladder, if I don't feel like the ladder is really steady, that's when I start to get nervous. See, I had an issue when I first started working at the school, cause we've got a high lift, which is basically, it's like a vertical ladder. Uh, that you can crank up to different heights. Well, when we're in the gym, I could do that because you just kind of walk up and then there's a cage at the top. So in our regular gym, that was fine because that would go about, I think, uh, 15 feet up in the air. But when we went into the other gym, the field house, as we call it, that's got a higher roof. Um, so we had to put a four-foot, and it was stupid it was an osha nightmare uh, an osha inspector would look at it and have a heart attack because you had to take the cage off the top four bolts you had to take that off you had to put a four foot extension on top where the cage was bolt that down and put the cage on top of the four foot extension so you're uh, handling this metal around and it's uh, probably about um oh uh, a foot and a half by two feet or something like that, wide enough to uh, walk on. So you got to put that stuff on top, and you got to balance the stuff and put it up there. We kind of got a procedure figured out now where we can get it put on there, but it still takes two people to do it. So anytime we got to change the lights in that field house, 
we have to get two people in there, and it's just like a big freaking rigmarole. Uh, I, the administration, though, has found like a, an electric man lift for us. So uh, I got to talk to them, make sure that they get that thing bought because, you know, a big old scissor lift. Yeah. That would make life a lot easier because then we don't have to do a lot of screwing around. But when we had to put that four-foot extension on, it took me a couple of years before I could uh, get up in uh, on that thing because it's just high enough. And I would make mistake of looking down. looks like the room was kind of going back and forth <laughs> at me. And it sounds kind of weird. The way I finally managed to conquer that, uh, before I got my bifocals, I was wearing contact lenses then reading glasses. And the problem with reading glasses is do I stuck, uh, stick them inside my shirt like this that people can't see, but then I tuck it down in there, and then they get crushed when I'm doing stuff. So I was walking around with it at the end of my nose, and so I kind of look over it for other stuff when I needed to read. I'd tilt my head back. And so when I went to climb up that ladder, I had them on, and it just distorted things enough so I couldn't quite see the floor. So then my mind wasn't thinking about dying at that point. It was just <laughs> I was climbing up a ladder. It was stupid, but it worked. I tell you, one of the biggest things when I was younger uh, – I went to go inside. We have something called a standpipe, or, or not a standpipe. It's a standing tank, water tank. It's not the elevated kind. It's basically a big round thing that's on the ground, but it's a hundred feet tall, and about I don't know, things probably fifty feet in diameter. And it's just full of water, and that's it's to pressure help keep the water system pressurized. I got the idea that they needed something done. I said, well, I'll go up and do it. And it has an enclosed ladder that's permanently attached to the side of it. It's in this, like, tube. Well, I got in there, and I started going up. And I got up, and the further up I went, I got the sensation that I was going backwards at an angle. You know, like this. I, was like, I got up there, and I felt like I was hanging on, and yet I was laying backwards. I'm going, I don't think I like doing this. <laughs> Well, uh, and out in the farm, we had a, a silo, and for people who aren't familiar with farms, it's a big round thing, um, but you put chopped corn in there, silage, uh, and we would uh, put that in there, store it, and then feed the cows from that during the winter. Well, it had two uh, uh, ladders, one on the uh, an enclosed tube, like you said, that you would crawl up, because that's where the silage would come out, because you'd have a silage unloader that would... Uh, take the silage out of the top and run it down, drop it down that tube to where you were collecting it down below. And it would work down. You had to climb up there once in a while and let the silage unloader down. You had to move the, uh, the auger that took it out. Uh, but on the outside, there was a uh, ladder that didn't have anything around it. It was just an exposed ladder there. And you had to climb up beside that because to fill up the silo, you put a silage blower down below, which is just like basically a big... Uh, a big big paddles that would shoot it up this tube, and the tube would then shoot it through a um, uh, a hood and then down into the silo. So you had to get up there once in a while, and uh, and I didn't. I was young when they were doing it, so I didn't have to do that. But uh, we'd have silage cutting crews, and so they would uh, bring the uh, silage blower over, and then they'd have to put the pipes up. So somebody'd have to climb up the side of this uh, 40-foot silo and make sure the pipes were secure and then bolt them down and tighten them down. So you're hanging from a ladder uh, with one hand and uh, tightening up with another hand. Uh, it's nothing like trying to tighten your nuts up when you're hanging upside, up that high. Oh, and it just kind of makes them go up places that you don't want them to go. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you drop your wrench. and yeah. Yeah, yeah, you drop your wrench, your nuts fall, and then you've got other problems. Yes. <laughs> so... Well, that, I, I do like ladders and things like that, um, but for let's see, one of the best things I think I ever got was, I got this, I, I think most of our listeners probably know what like a socket set is that you have. I got this thing one time, I can't remember who gave it to me now, but it's uh, it's like a socket set, but it, it, it looks like a box wrench that has multiple turns on each end. You got about four sizes on each end, so you got a total of eight sizes, and the thing weighs a ton. I mean, you could beat somebody to death with it with one whack. Is that one of those that looks like a little club? Sort of, yeah. Okay. And, but you can put it on a nut and tight. I mean, it has a whole bunch of different sizes on it, and that is the coolest thing in the world. I keep it upstairs, so that way I don't. If you know, if some, if, if I need to tighten something up up there, I don't have to run all the way down here and out into the garage to my toolbox. Because I've got one of those great big mechanic, small mechan home mechanics toolbox, I'll call it. The three-section ones. Mm. So, of course, you can tell I'm a real geek because one drawer is full of whole hard drives that I need to destroy <laughs> and I haven't done it yet. Dynamite. Yes. Yes. Uh, 
And and since I am a high school custodian, I carry tools around with me because it's kind of handy to be able to just stop and fix something right away. So I keep, um, there's about three tools I carry with me all the time. One is a putty knife because people have to chew gum and they don't know what a wastebasket is. So sometimes you got to scrape it off the floor. So that's always handy to have. Uh, the other one I carry around is what I call the universal wrench, a good old six-inch vice grip. You can adjust that to lots of things, and you can misuse it in a lot of different ways. Yes, you can. And even when I was on the farm, that was pretty handy because that was one of the best tools that I found for uh, putting up fences and fixing fences because you could clamp it on, especially when you're putting up fences because you had to put wire staples on, which is kind of like a wire loop with a hook on one end that you would put on the wire, pull it around behind the steel post, and then you'd have to twist the end around the wire, the other end around the wire to hold the. Uh, the barbed wire in place against the post. So it was just kind of nice. You could clamp it on there. You could whip it around a couple times, and that staple wasn't going to fall off. And you could get nice and tight against the uh, steel post so that it wouldn't uh, go up and down on you. Yeah, no, I, you, know, you make me think, too, of something for years when I was around here, and I don't mean this to sound offensive, and if I, I'm not trying to offend anybody. For years, I was told something, the best tool to ever have was what, what was called around here a West Virginia socket set. Okay. Mike's looking puzzled. Yes. I always called it a crescent wrench. <laughs> okay. And for people in England, I believe it's called a spanner. Yes. Yes. But it's an adjustable spanner. Yes. It's okay. an adjustable spanner. Yep. Um, yeah, and, I've, uh, and once upon a time, I think I quit carrying it because it wasn't quite as useful. But I did have it like a little six-inch crescent wrench. Uh, since I wasn't dealing with really big burrs, um, that was kind of handy. Between that and the vice grip, I could do a fair amount with that. And I actually do have it in my uh, uh, my book bag that I take to school. Uh, I've got a little pouch of tools in it that uh, I call it my uh, my little tool kit that I carry with me. So in there, I've got a um, a four in one screwdriver. I got that little six inch uh, crescent wrench. Um, I've got a set of uh, hex wrenches, the six sided uh, ones that you use for uh, um, set screws and stuff. So I got a set of those that I keep in there. Uh, I think I've got a snap ring plier in there because there was something I needed to fix with snap rings. Um, what else do I have in there? I got about, well, it's probably about 10 pounds of tools uh, in that little thing. I've got something that's really cool that uh, my wife gave me, I don't know, probably 10 years ago. It's something called a gator socket. Oh, uh, is that one that you put on there and it adjusts? No, it's it looks like a regular socket. I mean, like a big deep well socket. Okay. But inside of it, it has all these little pins. So when you slide it on any nut, it self-adjusts to the right size. Okay. And then you can turn it and, and take it off. And it came in this pouch with extra handles and other little accoutrements to uh, to do things with. And it's a it's a very handy little tool. It's called the Gator. I don't think I have it real handy, or I'd show Mike what it was. And I should have thought you told me ahead of time, but I should have brought my tools with me. Not that it would help the audience any, but I can show you uh, what they look like. Um, and the third tool that I carry around with me all the time is I always have to, you always need a screwdriver. Because yes. there's always those things you have to do. And I found one at the hardware store. Actually, my wife found uh, found it last year, and then I bought myself one this year. You... Uh, you pull the handle out, and you can see uh, inside the handle there's a whole bunch of different bits. And all you have to do is take it and turn it and select the bit that you want, and then push the handle back down inside, and the correct bit will pop out. Oh, I've seen one similar to that. I have one like that, except, and I might even have it down here with me. You pull down on the handle, and it has all kinds of different tips for the screwdriver. But now yep. you, you have to pull that out and put it in the end of the thing. Nope. Nope. That's what mine is. See, this one here, it's all automatic. You pull it down, and it will retract the bit inside. And then you turn the handle, and there's a little indicator, and you pick which uh, bit it is you want to use, and then you push it back down into the handle, and the bit will pop out. You don't have to be taking out bits and fumbling with them all the time. Hmm. Think of it kind of like a revolver. Ooh, guns. Yes. With bits, yes. Guns with bits. Bits with but, guns. But it's that kind of notion, though. It's kind of like uh, uh, the the chamber in a revolver with all your different screw bits in it. All you got to do is 
like I say, pull the handle out so it'll pull it in uh, the one bit in, and then you just turn it till you find the one that you want, line it up with the selector, and then you just push it back, and uh, that bit will pop out, and it will hold about, I think, eight different bits. That's so you got handy. It is because it's got a couple Phillips. It's got a couple. It may even be more than that. I, I should have counted. It might be nine because it's like about two or three Phillips, two or three different flat blades. I think there's a Torx bit or two in there. Um, so it, uh, And I think you can pull them out the end like you would a regular screwdriver because it's just little regular screwdriver bits that you could put in there. So um, And I want to see it. Uh, I don't know if there would be enough room. It would be nice if I could pull out one in a quarter-inch drive one and have that handy. So if you need to use sockets, you could put it on there. Yeah, that would be handy. Yeah. Hmm. Because there's uh, quite often I you know will need to adjust something or fix something. And uh, sometimes I prefer, well, actually, anymore, I prefer, prefer Torx. But this is an old school. So there's Phillips, but, you know, there's a likelihood there will be slotted screws, too. So you, you need a variety there. And I used to have the, well, uh, another one that I had that was pretty handy that uh, I think my wife had got on QVC, but I kind of wore it out. It was a ratcheting screwdriver, and you could change which direction it uh, ratcheted. You could screw the cap off, and in there would be a bunch of bits. And so you could uh, take them out and put them in like you needed. But then they also had in there a micro screwdriver set with a small Phillips and a small slotted for, like, working on glasses and such. Yeah, and that's something I was going to say that's really handy. A few years ago, I asked for and got for Christmas a set of... Uh, I refer to them as jewelers uh, screwdrivers, and they're all the real fine ones. Yeah, okay. But these are a lot of fine. This was all, but they're individual screwdrivers. They're, oh, they're they're the Torx. There's the Phillips, and there's the slotted screwdrivers. There, it's a set by uh, Craftsman makes it, and each one's colored different. So when you go to grab it, you can tell what it is by the color mm. code on it. And this one that I was uh, holding up to Kevin while he was talking, um, this is one that uh, uh, I think I talked about when I, I was talking about the uh, putting the SSD in my uh, uh, MacBook here because I thought I was going to have to order a, uh, a set of screwdrivers to uh, uh, with uh, small Phillips to get some of that stuff out. But then I remembered we have a, um, a hardware store line in uh, the Midwest here called Menards, and they give you out. Uh, give you presents on your birthday and so this was the one that i got so it's kind of it, the the handle here looks like a pen it's even got a little clip if you want to clip it on your shirt pocket and then you put your bits in there and there is uh 12 bits so you got about four phillips four flats and about four torques going all the way down to a t5 i believe so it goes down to really small torques and like I said, they gave that to me for my birthday and they even have a little ring that you can put on the end of your uh uh, handle there, and you push it down, and it lights up, so you can see what you're doing. Oh, so you can tighten your nuts with light on them. Yeah, you can. Just, or you can screw in the dark. Uh, <laughs> sometimes that might be better, but <laughs> uh, I have the face for that kind of stuff. But uh, and they got this. Uh, the end even unscrews. I think maybe you could put. Yeah, you could store bits in there. So yeah, you could clip it in your shirt pocket and carry it with you. But. Uh, and that was really handy for putting my uh, hard drive in because it had because uh, you needed a Torx bit and uh, I think you needed like a T six and that was in here along with the T five and uh, the really fine Phillips. So yeah, no. For anybody that works on computers or anything like that, it's great to have something like that handy around. When I was doing uh, help desk support all the time, you know, I was out fixing people's PCs at their desk and stuff like that. In, in back in the early days when I was doing that sort of work, I had a little multi-tool that I carried with me. Uh, was a screwdriver, or it looked like a pen, but you could tell it was a screwdriver. And one end came out of a plastic handle. I used to have one around here somewhere as close. And it had two Phillips, two different size Phillips, and you could flip it around and change it. And it had two different size slotted ones. But it was like a pen, and I'd just keep it in my shirt pocket. Um... Not in my pocket protector at times. Yes, I had a pocket protector, folks. Um, but I'd keep it there, and when I was, you know, somebody, if I needed to pop open somebody's PC real quick to look at a cable or see if something had come loose, just whip that thing out, unscrew the cover, take it off, you know, plug in an IDE cable or a SCSI cable or whatever had come loose, and I was right back to, you know, they were right back to work, and 
they thought I was a miracle worker. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's not too hard to impress people, but it is kind of nice to do that. And that's kind of why I keep my tools with me uh, when I'm at work there, because it, it's nice just you see something, you can stop and fix it, because between a, a vice grip and a, a good screwdriver, you can fix a fair amount of things with that. Yeah, you know something I've seen, uh, the company that makes Swiss Army knives, um, and their name's escaping me right now, and I have two or three of them, uh, they actually make, I think it's them that makes it, looks like a credit card that you can keep in your wallet, and it has multiple little screwdrivers and stuff built into it that you kind of like slide out, but it's about the size of a, a credit card, and Mike's feverishly typing away trying to find the name of the company. Is that the Victronox? Well, yeah, Victronox or Victra or whatever it is, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I've seen that. Uh, yeah, on the Swiss Army knife, that's uh, you know that's one of those things that's handy. You may not be able to do a lot of serious work, but if with it, but if you're in a pinch, you, it would it certainly comes in handy to you know have a good knife and a little uh, screwdriver and uh, and you know if you happen to be trapped in a winery and you know are you need something to drink you can always uh uh take the corkscrew and open up a few bottles of wine well i got the, uh, yeah and i got this one is i carry a little one all the time on me it's a real small one but i got this one for christmas it has the little led flashlight it has ouch i can't get the damn thing open <laughs> it's got a, a regular knife blade on it it's got scissors on it it's got a bottle opener uh, flathead screwdriver. What else we got here? We got a. Oh, it does have just what you were talking about. Well, I can't pull it up because I don't have any fingernails, but it's got a corkscrew on it. And then it's got a, another Phillips screwdriver. And I don't know what that other little piece is, but it's cut my finger a couple times. <laughs> but it's really good. But this is something, uh, I think this is Eddie Bauer. Yeah, it's Eddie Bauer made, or branded anyway. And it's nice to carry. I keep it right here. I've used it a dozen times just sitting here at my desk. Well, and uh, something else I carry in my pocket, because those three, uh, those my, my three essential tools I carry on a holster on my side, so I just reach out and grab them quick. But I carry in my pocket. It folds up flat into a little square, but you can open it up, and it's a little needle-nose uh, plier. And then there's a little knife that'll come out of there too, and that's pretty handy if you got to get down in and reach something, or if you're doing some electrical wiring, you can stick to, uh, grab your piece of wire like that and make a nice little perfect little curlicue to go over your uh, your uh, terminal when you're tightening it down. You don't have to sit there and uh, try and you know bend it with something else to get it. And I, I like my wiring to look good when I'm hooking stuff. I, I like the nice looking little cues. I don't want to have to sit there and bend it and screw around with it. No, well, then plus it's also that way. If you do it right, then when you tighten the screw, itself wraps itself, and then you're yes. you're better off. You get a tight, a much tighter and a better connection. And I don't like those kind of as in the side. I don't like those kind of plugins. I do have the kind where you can just jam the wire in the back, but I don't like that. To me, that's not real wiring. That's just a uh, easy way of doing it. But I don't think it looks too professional. Every time I think about, I'm I'm afraid of electricity. I freely admit that. Because I've had a couple negative experiences, uh, as a and, and truly negative uh, experience. As a child, I I uh, was experimenting, and a, a metal coat hanger through the end of an extension cord that's plugged in does not produce exceptionally good results. No. And I must not be that smart because I remember as a teenager, uh, somebody had given me an old black and white TV set. And uh, that was the days when the picture would kind of roll around and stuff. So I was kind of blindly reaching in the back there trying to reach the adjustment while I was looking at the front. And, you know, transformers actually hold energy and they dissipate it. Yeah, they will dissipate right all over you. Yes, right up my arm. (laughs) Well, then I had I had this uncle who... uh, wanted to teach me a little something about small engines as a child. And he said, oh, the spark plug wire is loose. Can you please hold the spark plug wire while I pull on the engine to start the lawnmower? You only do that once. I only did it once. <laughs> if you do it twice, you're an idiot. But anyway. That hurt like a mother too. <laughs> yeah, the same way. You know, I, uh, you can test an electric fence by touching it, but after a while you really don't want to. Then... Oh. Then I would go get the um, the electric electric tester and then stick one end of the ground, touch the other end of the wire, and see if the needle moves. Well, 
I learned the electric. I, I mean, I knew about electric fences because, again, I grew up around it. I didn't have to work on them much, but I was around plenty of people. But I used to go to this camp. It was a uh, church camp, and I went to that instead of Boy Scout camp because we had girls, and Boy Scouts only had boys, so I liked that better. So, um, yes, this is me at a young age, people. And it was a church camp. But where we had the softball field was right next to, uh, this was in the mountains in central, in south central Virginia, uh, near a place called Kieseltown, if you want to look it up, folks. And we went, uh, the, the softball field was right next to this uh, cattle field, and they just had a little, had just had the electric fence around there. Well, we were playing, and I knew it was an electric fence. Well, somebody hit the ball, and it went just over the fence. Well, I leaned over to try to get the ball, and I managed to get the ball, but as I was standing up, my knees buckled just a little bit, and the electric went across my thighs, just above my knees. You talk about burn and hurt? <laughs> Ow, man, I screamed bloody murder, and I think in a church camp, I said some really not-so-nice words, because I think I hollered, son of a mother... <laughs> Kevin, we must talk to you. You are using unfriendly, uh, un unchurch-like words. Well, I mean, everybody laughed, and I, and I came home with these two marks on my legs. <laughs> my mother goes, what did you do at camp? I said, you don't want to know. <laughs> well, I can remember, uh, if we're going to go tripping down memory lane here, back when I was uh, in Votech, I went to Votech after I graduated high school for agriculture production, basically turning, teaching you skills you needed to be a farmer. And one of them was uh, electrical wiring. And they weren't going to teach you to be an electrician, but they wanted you to know the basics. And one of the things that we had to do was to uh, get an electric motor to work. So the teacher handed me this uh, electric motor, and uh, there wasn't a wiring diagram on it. So he said, just you know, f figure it out and see if uh, hook it up and see if it works. So I, I thought I hooked it up the way I thought that it should. And I said, does this look right? He said, well, plug it in and try it. So I plugged it in. Have you ever heard capacitors blow up before? Yes. It sounded like a shotgun going off. <laughs> and, I, and he goes, I think that's wrong. I'm going, really? And then you open it up, and it looked like a mouse had made a nest inside the motor there. All the paper in the capacitor had just blown up. And uh, I think that motor was shot after that. Literally shot. Yes. Well, you know something else that carries a surprising amount of electricity that, again, you know, one of my dear family members, my brother, uh, worked for the phone company years ago. And this was when there was just one phone company. Mm. And this is back in the day when a phone was hardwired to the wall. Mm. Uh, you remember the four-prong plugs that they used to have here in the United States for before they had the RJ45s? Yes. Uh, or RJ. Is that RJ? That's RJ11, excuse me, that they have now. Um, wait, did you know that? And they actually had a mechanical bell in them. Right. You know, they had something that sat there and clanged back and forth between two bells to make the phone ring, people. It really did ring. Well... You'd be surprised how much voltage it takes to make a phone ring. Don't touch the red wire. Well, my brother said, oh, here, I'm trying to work on the phone, Kevin. Help me hold the wire. And they called it from another phone. Oh, my God, that zapped the shit out of me. <laughs> I've, I've done that because I was cheap. I was trying to wire our own because I didn't want to. And this was after... Uh, uh, the phone company was divested or you know split up because it was a monopoly, and I think they've gotten back together, kind of like the the snake that comes back and joins itself and uh, becomes even bigger and stronger. But yeah. um, and so uh, I was doing our own electrical wiring in the house there with for the phone and everything, and um, I was hooking it up and I touched the red wire and yeah, it'll send a little tingle up your arm. Yeah, it's and there's a lot more voltage that it takes to make that little clapper ring. But it was funny, years later, somebody said, well, I want the bell to turn off in the phone. I said, I got an easy way to do it. I opened the phone up, reached in there, and clipped off. It was just a <laughs> a piece of copper wire that had the little clapper on the end of it. Clip, it's off, threw it away. Phone won't ring no more. <laughs> I can guarantee that. Well, it's a way to get rid of uh, salesmen, they call yeah. you. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Um, but enough of our shocking experiences. <laughs> <laughs> There were. Uh, are there any other tools that you have or would recommend for the uh, geek or the dad or the geek dad out there? Well, I've got a, a site I would like to recommend, uh, for especially for the geek. Uh, uh, I fix it because that's where I got the parts. to. I had to replace the battery in my MacBook here. And when I did that, and uh, Mac decided that they're going to try and be uh, different about it. So then they have the, uh, I forget what it's called, the 
it's not the penultimate, but it's uh, whatever the three sided um, or three slotted Phillips type screw. Pendulo. So you had to buy pendulum. There you go. Uh, so you had to buy the special screwdriver for that because that's not something you're going to find anywhere. So they had that, and when I replaced the battery, because I, I replaced the battery, and then a little while later I decided to play, replace the hard drive. So I got from those guys, I got the uh, Penelope and then a small Phillips because I had forgotten I had this other nifty little toolkit there. And um, and then I think, oh, yeah, and then I got the spudger for... Uh, because uh, there's a few wires in there that you had to move. So I got those three screwdrivers from them plus the battery. But if you're, uh, and I uh, have gotten emails from them, and they got uh, tool kits you can buy with all the different size bits in there and uh, different screwdriver bits. Uh, you, they got all different kinds of spudgers in there if you need something really specialized or really small to get in there. And they've got all sorts of uh, uh, tools for the, uh, for the geek that wants to work on his uh, computer hardware uh, and do any of that kind of stuff. Well, you know, it's funny. I Not too long ago, I found my old tool set that I bought. I think I bought it in 1984 or 85, and it was old enough that it, a tool set that for working on computers that it still had the chip inserter that, you, that would let you insert memory chips and stuff without bending the pins. Basically, it was about... It was uh, kind of a uh, C-shaped bracket, square C, and you'd put the memory chip in, then you had a plunger you pushed down so it would apply, and it had another piece of metal that was the same size as the memory chip, and that way it pushed down on the chip equally across the entire surface of the chip to insert the memory chip into the socket, because this is way before the days of SIMS or SIPs or any of that sort of stuff back then. So that was one of the cool... I still have that tool set. I don't know where it is right off the top of my head at the moment. But, I mean, that's those were cool. So computer tools are always good for a geek. Because the dad, you can never have too many of that. Because inevitably, when you go to find a tool like that and you, you want to work on something, you will not be able to find that special little tool that you need. So having one, two, or three of these things is never a bad idea. And I'm looking at... Uh, I fixed it here, and they have their ProTech Toolkit. And it's got a 54-bit driver set. It's got, uh, looks like, about four different plastic spudgers, uh, about three different kinds of tweezers, even an angled one, <clears throat> if you need to get in somewhere. Your anti-static um, strap. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, suction cup, if you've got to be pulling uh, glass off a cell phone. And it looks like about uh, three different metal spudgers, a little um, ruler, especially uh, with a little slider on it, so if you've got to measure depth or whatever. And I can't quite see what that uh, other one is, but that looks like a pretty nifty tool set. And if you're going to be doing uh, any amount of work on a, uh, a computer or a laptop or, any, or your cell phone, uh, that looks like, in, for, um, looks like a nifty little toolkit to have. And that's about $65. You know, I've been tempted to, and I might do that sometime, get one of those toolkits, because I've been tempted to take my iPod, fifth generation iPod, that's for Tim chatting. Yes, I still have a lot of iPods, like, but not as many as Tim does. But I do have uh, that one, and I've been tempted to take out, replace the battery in it. And also, you can get bigger hard drives and convert it from a 30 gig iPod, you know, to like a 200 gig iPod. But I don't know if my eyes are good enough anymore to see all the wires and shit inside of one of those things. Oh yeah, and it's at the point. And uh, when I was working on my MacBook, it was kind of hard because I would take lift my glasses up to get up close to see what I was doing, but then I have to put them back on because I had the iPad sitting back there with the. And that's the other nice thing about iFixit; they'll give you step by step instructions on how to fix a lot of this stuff. Uh, so I was sitting there watch, uh, looking at the tool guide, making sure I did it right because I got my, my you know my MacBook Pro here is a precious little piece of equipment. And I didn't want to go screwing it up, so I'm following the instructions really carefully. And it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, but. I'm reading the instructions, so I kind of have to, I would look over my glasses to take the screws out, and they're tiny little screws, um, and then I would have to raise my head back up and look at the glasses to read the iPad, but, um, and, you know, there's some other things that you may not think about when I was work, working on the MacBook. One thing that was handy to have, uh, I got it from my wife, I just got a little muffin tin, 
with little cups in there because there's a bunch of different little screws that you have to take out and yet you, you want to kind of keep track of them so as i took them out each step there was just a cup in the muffin tin there and you could have them handy and you didn't have to i know a lot of people use like magnetic boards or whatever but i don't do enough of it to really justify it but she's got the muffin tins around there that she uses from time to time so that was a handy little way just to kind of keep track of all your little parts and stuff you know, uh, I've been. Uh, I think probably a lot of our listeners, if they haven't, they ought to. Ought to listen to the Matt Geek Gab with uh, John F. Braun and Dave Hamilton. And I heard Dave Hamilton talking a couple times recently about working on things. And he does. He prints out those iFixit uh, things that you're talking about with the step by step directions. And then what he does, if I remember correctly, how he said it, he puts some double sided tape beside each portion of the instructions. So when he takes out the screw, he sticks it right next to the step of the instructions on this double-sided tape so it won't roll away. So he knows those screws went with this line of the instructions. That's not a bad way to do it. Yeah, I thought it was actually a pretty clever idea. So kudos to, to Mr. Hamilton for coming up with that. I might The next time I decide to rip into something, I might do that. i tell you what, you send me your MacBook Pro and I'll tear into it and try it. That's not polite gesture, Michael. <laughs> no, that's fine. You know, you know, I'm just saying you're number one, Kevin. Oh, okay. Right. No, actually, I need to open up my MacBook Air. I want to put a SSD in it, and that's what I and I need to put a new battery in it too. But I think the battery's glued into the stupid thing. Yeah, the MacBook was pretty easy. I I've heard people talk about doing the iMac with the big old glass screen that you got to pop off with suction cups. That would scare me. That scares the bejesus out of me doing that. And uh, bless her heart, Katie Floyd keeps uh, chiding me saying, just do it, Kevin, because I've been talking about doing it. She's, she said, I do it. I said, yeah, but you got better eyes than, you're, than I do because if I mess this thing up, I, it would just, I'd die. I would literally die. Yeah, that's a big old piece of glass you got there. Yeah, and, and, and I, if, that would, if I broke this big old piece of glass... My wife would kick my big old ass. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know the feeling. So yeah, I'm. I'd rather for something like that because uh, mine's still one of the ones that you can just pull it off. It's there's nothing big to because it's a 2011 iMac. Um, but I think if I ever decide to put a new internal drive in it, uh, I found there's a local shop right here in town, thankfully, that I can take it to and let them do the work on it because I just don't have the nerve to do that. But, you know, if you do it, drop an SSD in that thing. And I did that to this MacBook here, and, man, that's sweet. Yeah, I'd like to put a 512 or a 1 terabyte SSD in this. Whoa, are you selling a kidney there, dude? <laughs> Although I noticed they've been getting cheaper. I think I saw on tw- uh, Twitter today somebody said a 256-gig uh, SSD for $99. Wow, that's not bad at all. No, I... If I had a little bit more money, I'd grab one of those and put it in my Hackintosh down here because I have lost track how old that hard drive is in there. One of these days, it may start giving me the click of death, and I don't have a a backup of it, so I should um, put an SSD in there, clone it over, um, maybe keep the hard drive as the fail-safe or whatever, But um, because I do kind of use that as my server for different needs. I should really – and it would probably speed it up because it's it's a 3-gig quad-core – um, core 2 quad is what it is, 3 gigahertz. It's an older processor. It does pretty good, but it's only got 4 gigs of memory. And then that spinning hard drive, so when I'm sitting there doing things with it, it kind of spins, and I get the beach ball for a little while there. Um, I don't know how much money I want to put into it, but uh, a good hard drive would certainly help it a lot, especially if it's doing a lot of... Um, I.O. Caching, yeah, I.O. And, you know, if it, with only 4 gigs of memory, I'm sure it's doing a lot of read... Uh, caching to the hard drive that would probably that alone would probably speed it up pretty good yeah well they say that's one of the biggest performance uh gains that you can have on any uh, modern computer i know my work laptop is all solid state and uh you know i used to think oh god i gotta reboot now it's like i don't really give a shit (laughs) okay i rebooted you know what the hell it doesn't make any difference to me now yeah i can you know i can't change my mind that fast sometimes so (laughs) It's it's uh, quick and it's fast. Yeah, oh, I, I I do like the solid state. Actually, the other thing I've thought about doing to give this one a solid state drive, uh, since I've got the uh, Thunderbolt ports on the back of it, 
is I thought about buying a Thunderbolt enclosure, but they're still not very cheap, and then putting an SSD in it, and then booting from that. Because mm. that should be almost as fast, if not faster, than the internal bus inside the Mac. Well, I thought the Thunderbolt was a... Mm, I want to say it's a direct connection to the bus. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, so it's right. it should be just as fast, and that would save me actually having to open the thing up. So. And- and the the real chance of getting some dust behind your screen. Yeah, that's what freaks me out. I've heard my friend Elaine Giles talk about she's pulled the glass and stuff off of hers a couple of times. Or she had it done, and she, they got dust behind it, and she like, oh, I think she was going to kill somebody. There might be a couple dead people over in the U.K., <laughs> bless her heart, um, because of that. But, uh, yeah, that's what I worry about is the dust not breaking it so much. I think I could get by without breaking it. I'm not too big of a klutz but i would worry about getting dust behind it and then it's like because the screen is just so beautiful on these things you just don't want to muck with it i know i uh, there's a lady in town here i go over and help her once in a while and she's got a big uh 27 inch imac running lion i think it is it's a few uh iterations behind but i go over there and help her and i'm thinking oh this would be so sweet but uh now i got my macbook running again and i think i'm kind of happy with that and, and the nice thing is because I was trying to use it as a desktop system, but now that I got the battery working, now I know that I need to run it on battery to keep it healthy. Uh, I've been unplugging it. I've been going upstairs, sitting with my wife and watching TV because I got a nice little um, uh, laptop uh, stand there that uh, it sets on the floor and you can tilt it. And it's got a little uh, thing off to the side where you can put your mouse or uh, refreshing beverage or something like that and uh, have a nice reclining chair that I can sit there and watch TV. So uh, I'm actually getting out of my little man cave down here. Well, as long as you're bathing regularly, that's probably not so bad for your wife then. Yeah, she's okay with it. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, speaking of of things and getting out, you said you had something uh, old school to discuss. Well, I... I, uh, I when I was talking before we started here, I said old school tech, and it's not exactly what you think. Because, you know, normally when we say old school tech, we think old computers. But me being the uh, high school custodian, we've been moving things around, so I'm talking about old school tech. Ah. Ah, yeah, a little twist there. Because um, we, and I don't think she listens to the podcast, but we have one of the teachers there that's a bit of a pack rat. And so she was throwing away things, and so we were throwing away floppies. <laughs> Uh, we were, we threw away mimeograph paper. We're old enough to remember mimeograph paper. Oh, the smell of the fresh <laughs> mimeograph test. Oh, yes. Oh, man. And I, and I still kind of remember that because you had to make an imprint on a special kind of paper, and then you put it on a drum, and then you sat there and spun the drum around, and it spit out your papers. It, um People, we've kind of forgotten, but because uh, uh, that was way back in grade school, I forget at what point they actually started getting copiers, but they were expensive. But uh, yeah, you didn't just frivolously spit out stuff. You kind of decided what you were going to print because it was a bit of a, uh, a hassle to go through. Because like I say, you had to take the special paper, you could run it through a typewriter, or you could do it handwritten. But it was sort of, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was kind of equivalent to like carbon paper or something. Yeah, it was something weird like that. I remember using it. I remember using it all the way up through high school. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember when I, high school, yeah, somewhere in there. I just really don't quite remember. Yeah, it was probably through high school. Uh, at some point, I just kind of quit noticing. But, uh, yeah, I remember using that. And uh, you know, I haven't seen one around here, but uh, and I haven't seen a copier around for a long time. But uh, she just had some stuff stuck in her drawer. So there was... Uh, some, uh, like, say, some carbon or uh, some. Well, there might have been some carbon paper too that we threw out. Um, oh, yes, uh, but there was the mimeograph paper. Uh, we, I think, we finally decided we we're going to get rid of the typewriter because uh, they used to keep them around for filling out scholarships. But anymore, I think scholarships you can all get on like PDFs and just sit down to your computer, fill them in, and print them out on a printer. Yeah. So there's some of that stuff that's getting uh, redundant. Uh, we took a few uh, overhead projectors out because they're kind of becoming a thing of the past. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of the classrooms now have uh, projectors and Promethean boards in them. So they really don't need um, um, overhead projectors anymore. And if there is something that they want to show, a lot of the teachers have little USB cameras that you can plug in. And uh, on a little stand that will sh- uh, you can shine down on the book or whatever and then uh, run it through your computer and project it on the screen. 
That's kind of like a, what they call here, I think, a smart board. Uh, yeah, it probably is. Yeah, and the Promethean board, uh, it is... Uh, it, the projector shines on it, but then it's got stuff so they can go up there and write on the board, uh, and it shows up, and it goes to the computer, so you're not actually writing on the board. So it makes a whiteboard cleaning a lot easier. Uh, you don't have to get some of that. Uh, those whiteboards kind of get old and worn out after a while, and trying to get the dry erase marker off them gets a little interesting at times. Uh, so there, it, But you're, you're basically drawing with the computer on the whiteboard. Uh, and you can do all kinds of neat things with it. I haven't actually seen one in uh, motion, but it would, they don't let me play with the good stuff. But uh, <laughs> uh, I've seen them use it a few times. It looks, you know, really interesting. And we had, um, you know, actually it was son of uh, the, the principal. He was experimenting. I've seen it done on TV, and I'd kind of thought about doing it. You take a, um, how does that work now, a Wiimote and a light-emitting diode, I think. And you position, uh, is it one or two Wiimotes? You position them correctly and then calibrate it with your LED, and you can make your own um, kind of uh, smart board to use and with a projector that you would shine on there. Well, you know, it's, you talk about that kind of stuff, and my kids talk about that, and you go in the classrooms. My kids go to, uh, uh, my younger kids go to a, a very new school. It's only probably five years old I'm thinking yeah about five years old and they have whiteboards and everything and I'm going where the hell are all the chalkboards I keep <laughs> looking for the chalkboards I'm going no chalkboards yes no chalk no erasers no dust yeah Yay. Um, yeah, because since I've been, because uh, this summer in July it'll be 10 years I started at school uh, yeah they have no chalkboards um there's a few down in the old uh, the old elementary that's kind of been decommissioned is now uh, uh, storage, but there's a few down there, but nobody uses them. Uh, I don't know if there's any chalk left in the school, or if there is, I'll have to make sure. I, well, the, no, I don't think they'll let them use chalk on the sidewalks. But I was say, if there's any chalk, I should make it disappear, because that stuff is just dusty and messy. Um, but, you know, a lot of that stuff that we kind of grew up with and we're kind of used to, uh, you know, it's not there anymore, and I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Uh, progress is good. That's a good thing. But, you know, as I'm schlepping all this old stuff around and some old computers, there's some, uh, I think, I hope she's getting rid of them, uh, some old Pentium uh, 3s and 4s around there. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I know. That's what I say. Um, she's a bit of a pack rat. Um, Jeez. And, we're, we got somebody coming next month that he's just going to load all the stuff up because there's probably, oh, a good 150 monitors there. There's a bunch of Pentium. Uh, I think there's even some twos around there, uh, threes. Yeah, I know. Oh, some, my God. So, you remember those old Dell Optiplexes? Yes. Yes. Uh, there's a few of those. Uh, they haven't used them in years, but it's just one of those things. We need to get them out of here. Uh, it's just taking up a lot of room, but... Uh, and, you know, we look at it, looking back now, that is pretty, you know, we all kind of go, eh. Um, I think there's even a laptop, old laptop or two around there that was running, I think, 95. Oh, wow. I, I booted it up once just for the heck of it, and I'm kind of going, oh, God. And I think it had like a 10 megabyte hard drive in it. It was, and it was one, it was one of those big, huge ones that you could actually use to kill somebody with. Oh, yeah. Well, I've got, I still, and I posted it on Twitter not awful too long ago, uh, and uh, a friend of mine, I think you know him too, Steve Stanger, mm. uh, TMA Steve on Twitter, he, uh, I posted my Mac Classic booting up, and I showed it running, the After Dark screensaver had kicked in, I can't remember what portion of it it was, but it still boots up, it sits on my desk at work, it's quite a conversation starter, somebody new comes into my office, and they go, does this thing still work? And I said, yep. I proudly reach around, turn it on, and boot it up, and it boots right up. You know, the little bong and everything. Mm. I have, I don't have the system disk for it anymore. So God forbid if something happens to it. <laughs> but uh, it boots up. I can go into Word. I can go into Excel. You know, I can. And I think I had one of those once upon a time. But uh, and down there in the computer stuff there, and I don't know where it went. I think it's got lost in the shuffle. There was the uh, Apple camera. Uh, Apple came out with a camera once. I vaguely remember those. Yes, uh, and there was a, uh, a Newton in there somewhere. Oh wow! Yeah, 
Uh, and then, and we had an art teacher that used that up till about five years ago. Remember the old Sony Makiva uh, camera that you put a floppy disk in? Oh yeah, yeah. And you could put about I don't know twenty pictures on there on a one point four megabyte floppy. floppy drive. Oh god, those things they had to look like eight bit bit compared to stuff now because you take a picture with even a cell phone camera and they're about. Oh, one to three uh, megabytes, depending upon your camera and what you're taking a picture of and compression and yeah. all that stuff. So a modern JPEG wouldn't even fit on a floppy. Oh, I know. Yeah, because, well, you know, your iPhone takes a higher resolution, max resolution, because it's what a eight megapixel, I think, for the current iPhone is what is what the camera is in them. So, I mean, that takes a higher resolution than it would even fit on a floppy disk. So, Wow. I know, and I, I, you know, and I move all this stuff around, and I'm just kind of going, ooh, yeah. And you know, like I said, I, when I was there ten years ago, some of the stuff, uh, you know, some of those computers had just arrived that year uh, on a big old pallet. And we just kind of wheeled them into the school on a pallet jack and set them down, uh, rather than unboxing them, hauling them in by hand. Uh, and so, but you know, they're ten years old, and we're uh, starting to get rid of those now. And uh, you, you look at all the stuff that. Um, how things have changed in the last 10 years. And because uh, there wasn't a Promethean board in the school when I started, projectors, um, especially ones that you hooked to the computer, I don't think they had any there. Uh, about mm, five, six years ago, I think, probably about five, yeah, about five or six years ago, they started handing out netbooks to the students so that every uh, high school student has a netbook. And they're still around there. They've, uh, there's some uh, the, the original Acers that came out. They're getting handed on to the elementary school now, and they're starting to bring in uh, newer um, netbook types uh, computers that they're uh, for the students to use. And and I'm surprised those Acers have actually held up. Yeah, my kids use uh, netbooks, but now in the upper grades around here, they're they've brought in the Chromebooks, and they're making it their way into the classroom. Uh, not so much there, but they are starting to, um, the juniors and seniors are going to start getting newer computers. I, I think it's probably going to be windows based stuff. Cause well, that's what our tech coordinator knows is windows. Yeah. When yeah. They, you talk about, um, uh, old school tech, you made me think of something that I used, uh, I'm trying to think, oh, that I, back to tell how old I am. And of course this tells both our age. Mm. I was actually in the AV club, folks, when I was in high school. And what is the AV club? Well, it was the it was the geek club, for, for lack of a better thing. And I actually worked in the library, and I was the guy that went around on the period that I worked and helped the teachers load the 16-millimeter projectors. Or then they got this fancy new technology that none of the teachers knew how to use called a VCR. And this was like... <laughs> mega high tech they knew they had no clue how to you know put a tape in it and, and you know how to rewind it and set it up and all this stuff so you know i was really high tech if i can find it folks i will post a picture of me in the av club with the rest of my friends this would be circa 1970 something i can't remember now off the top of my head so yes folks i will try to post that picture did you have tape wrapped around the bridge of your glasses? Or? I I didn't wear glasses then. Oh, okay. But I think I probably have on a sweater vest. Possibly, I can't remember. Wow. Okay. I never did the sweater vest. I did the pro I did the pro pocket protector in in uh, I don't know if it was high school. I think it was junior high, maybe. No, I think it was high school. Yeah. Mm. Well, I was that unique crossover, probably a lot like yourself. I was a geek in a farming rural, not farming, but a rural community. So it was, you know, people were quite amazed that I knew anything about this sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, in town here, I'm kind of the, because uh, Clark is only about 1,200 people. So I'm kind of the town geek. I don't know that I'm that smart, but I always kind of say in the kingdom of the, kingdom of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. So that would be me. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But yeah, you made me think about old school, because we even had some of the first video cameras that they issued out to schools, and we had a little television production studio. Uh, but the videotape that it wrote to back then, I mean, everybody, even some of the younger audience, will remember video cassettes. But what ours recorded to was a reel-to-reel -reel video thing. It wasn't uh -huh. a... 
Wow. Yeah. So, and we actually had a switcher. You know, you could have two cameras hooked up, and you had what was going out on air and stuff like this. And you get to play with the switcher, and it was a real switcher. I mean, you clunk, clunk, clunk to switch between things. So, and see, our school wasn't big enough to have an AV club, but the, the my tech moment I remember from high school. Uh, we were seniors. So this would have been uh, probably about 1979, maybe 1980. And we had a science teacher, and he brought in a um, terminal. And it, uh, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a computer. You had to put, take your telephone, put it in the acoustic cups of the terminal, and it didn't even have a screen. It printed it out on that old uh, uh, mimeograph-type paper, that, uh, that uh, th- thermal paper. Yeah. Yeah, and so you type things in, and it printed it out on this paper. And we had to hook up to the region, the computer at the regional library in Watertown, about forty miles away, over the telephone lines. And so uh, it was a, a short course he had, about a week. And so he taught us a little bit about basic programming. So uh, my friend and I wrote this basic program on figuring board feet uh, for lumber. And that was uh, 1980. That was my first taste of computers. And then there was this program, oh, man, I can't remember the name of it now, run by, I think, the University of Nebraska. But you could hook up by telephone lines, and you could run different programs for farming. So you could figure out rations. You could do different things like that. And uh, you know, that that was my first real taste of technology and uh that's what kind of got me excited. And about two years later, I bought my first uh, Tandy color computer. About a year and a half later, I think. Um, yeah, about a year later. So, uh, you know, I got into computers early and all this uh, other stuff. But, uh, you know, that was my first taste and what really got me excited about what the future could be. Well, I have to say some of the early tastes of computers I got while in high school, we figured out how to get into the uh, county's mainframe. And we found the... Uh ASCII art section that was stored in the mainframe, and we found the computer nude. It was a nude girl sitting on the bar stool. <laughs> and I won't tell you what the dollar signs were used for, but, you know, let your imagination run wild there, folks. Sounds pretty racy there. Oh, it was, you know, and it printed out on green bar paper, so, you know, what's more what's more <laughs> attractive than a, a, na- a, a naked woman made from ASCII characters sitting on a bar stool printed on old green bar paper? If you don't know what green bar paper is, folks, have a look. Wikipedia. Well, and, and my brother-in-law, who is probably about, um, let's see, I think he's about 20 years older than me, uh, somewhere in there, he used to work for a company in Minneapolis. Uh, and he was uh, he, he started out in the warehouse and worked his way up and learned, uh, went to night school and learned computer programming. And that was back in the days when they used punch cards. So I remember one time he brought home punch cards that spelled out Merry Christmas. <laughs> That's pretty cool. We used to also, because uh, I used to go to the football games because I love football. Uh, it was the only high school sport I cared anything about. We would go to the computer center and punch cards. We would collect the punch outs from the punch cards, the little pieces of uh, card that got punched. Stuff made great confetti when you threw it. People would spend weeks trying to comb that crap out of their hair when you throw that. <laughs> the, the chads. Yeah, the little. Yeah, the, these were and these were even smaller than the chads that the uh, people in Florida had trouble with. <laughs> oh my, that sounds messy. They, I mean, these were. Well, you've seen punch cards, right? Well, think how small that piece of little cardboard is when you punch out a one or punch out a three or something like that on the punch cards. I mean, it was right. just that little piece. I mean, it almost was sawdust or paper dust like. So when you threw it in the air at a football game, oh, it looked great. You know, it looked like great confetti snowing down, but the shit went everywhere and got in everything. <laughs> so we were real popular for that one. Oh, you must have been. Yes. Uh, so, well, um, I think we've kind of covered everything we were going to talk about as far as Father's Day and what I'd like to hear between now and Father's Day, because Father's Day here in the United States is what, about three weeks, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, pretty close. Uh, sec- I think third week in June, th- weekend in June. If you've got any good ideas that you'd like to share with our li- share with the rest of the listening audience, hey, send them in. We'll share them out there. It would be a lot of fun to to hear what other people think and, and uh, you know what they think is good for the geek dad or even just a regular dad because I don't know many dads that don't like tools or something like that to have around. So uh, please send us your ideas and we'll try to mention them on the show. So, uh, Mike, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you if they don't know where? 
Well, uh, sometimes I tweet, uh, not very often. Um, uh, I should maybe try to work on that, but once in a while I spit out little pearls of wisdom. And So you can find me on Twitter at DSC Chipman, and then we have our uh, Sci-Fi Tech Talk podcast with uh, Julie Keel and Jeff Sire, uh, and that uh, can be found at SciFiTechTalk.com, and this week we're going to be talking about Battlefield Earth. Ah, I'm trying to think what the last episode was I listened to. Because I, as I said before, when you've been on the show, I don't listen to them in order. I listen to re- the Repo Man episode. Okay, yeah, the, the kind of the medical porn show. Yeah, yeah. And I, I and now I know how much. I think I'm going to send you a copy of a movie, something like uh, Friday the Thirteenth, where you can watch people get hacked apart and stuff like that with a lot of detail. You know, or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I heard is pretty. It's yeah, pretty gruesome. It can be fairly gruesome. Well, just like a lot of the zombie movies, they you know they get pretty they get pretty out there. So, but anyway, so please, folks, if you've got anything that's gruesome or, or gory, send it to Mike. He just loves that sort sure. of stuff. <laughs> sure. Okay. So, but uh, yeah, and I, I, I'll say it again. I've said it before. Please go over and have a listen to Sci-Fi Tech Talk. Jeff, uh, Julie, and Mike uh, do an awesome job over there. It's it's entertaining technology and science fiction, uh, and I and I do truly enjoy your all show. So if you want to find out more about me, you can always find me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash big underscore in underscore va, and I refuse to take out the underscores to many people's uh, uh, dismay, but they're going to stay there because it's my brand. Uh, if you want to find out more about other things I might be into, you can go over to about.me forward slash Kevin Alder. If you want to know more about the show and listen to some of the past episodes, here's some of other uh, Mike's other pearls of wisdom that he's shared with us when he's been on the show, uh, or that he spewed out his pearls all over something. Who knows what that is? So, um, But go over there. It's the geekiestshowever.com. Mike thinks it looks like geek showered, so, uh, but yeah. it's geekiestshowever.com. So go over and have a look. And a review on iTunes would be much appreciated. So between now and then, please go over and have a listen. Check us out. And please, please, between now and next week, don't forget to hug a geek.